Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. happiest place on earth, and it's a, it's, it's a tough topic that we're going to be talking about today, and I want to get into it. Before I do get into it, I want to let you know really quickly some things that are happening that you heard Pastor Jenny speak about, but I want to just mention them again because they're so important. Um, we had over 140 people identify as wanting to be a part of Journey East Orlando. They texted in that message. That's insane to me. When we started the church, you need to know that we started the church, and on a good day, like there were 70 people. 70 people was the launch team that we had for starting Journey Church. And I, when I say 70, I mean, we weren't just counting people. We were counting, like, if you were pregnant, we counted you twice. <laughs> if you were a child, we'd go into kids' ministry. We'd be like, how many people are here? Five? Okay. Does anybody have imaginary friends? Anybody? Imaginary friends? Six, seven, eight. I mean, 70 on a great day. And to think that twice that many are, are going to bring Jesus and hope, the hope of Jesus, eight minutes from UCF in a brand new city, it just warms my heart. And honestly, I can't wait to get started. March 13th is our first startup party. It's going to be fun. It's at Duo 58. It's on a Friday night. And I'd love to invite you out. Um, coffee's on us. And they make some good coffee. And it's going to be a good, good time. Also want to let you know, I know it sounds too early to talk about it, but it's not. We are six a, a weeks away from Easter Easter Sunday, yeah, and we make a big deal about Easter here at Journey Church, and really, every church makes a big deal about Easter. It's kind of the reason why we come to church in the first place, because Jesus Christ is alive and not dead, and we don't have to die, and he, we're alive because he's alive, and uh, well, to just put it in plain layman's term, um, we're, we're going to run out of space. Uh, we don't have enough seats in this building um, to house all the people that will be coming on Easter. We don't have any seats on the first floor right now, um, and so... I want to announce, and we're going to be announcing for the next six weeks, that we are adding a third service on Easter Sunday. And uh, yeah, and it's, 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 I'm going to need your help. And so I'm going to let you know these service times now so that you can pick. And so the 11 is going to become 11.15, all right? So 11.15. The 9.15 is going to become 9.30. And then we're going to do, for the first time ever, an 8 a.m. service. Yes! That's what I'm talking about. That guy likes getting up early. That's what I love. And uh, I'm going to ask you for a favor. I'm going to ask you if you would consider coming to what I believe is going to be the most powerful service of the entire day. I just believe the Spirit of God is going to hit that 8 a.m. like none other. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. We need you to help make space space for people who don't know Jesus that are going to be coming. People who come on Easter that don't normally come, and we want to make sure we fit them all. And so I'm telling you, 8 a.m., man, it's going to be powerful. I've joked about it before. The devil is not even up at 8 a.m., okay? <laughs> he is sleeping. The demons have not had their coffee yet, and it is it's just, I'm telling you, the devil is going to be like, I'm coming for the 11.15. They get to 8 a.m., everybody gets their breakthrough. Um, you know, but so if you're looking for breakthrough, meet me at 8 a.m. It's going to be really, really good. Also want to announce, so proud of our team. Um, Today and moving forward, Journey Church is going to begin uh, providing ASL services during our service. And this is a service that we are providing 
for the deaf community, we were created with the vision that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. And when we say anyone, we really do mean anyone. And so if you or someone you know is deaf, uh, we would love for uh, them to join us at 11 a.m. Now, it is going to be uh, as uh, needed. The services are going to be provided as needed. So if you go to journeyoral.com forward slash ASL, um, your friend or yourself can fill out a form and just let us know you're going to be there that Sunday so that we can have someone waiting for you. And so we're so grateful that you're here today, and we welcome you to our family and our community. Welcome home. It's going to be a good, uh, a good day. Well, um, today we start off uh, in a sermon series called The Happiest Place on Earth. And I am pumped to share this with you. I want to prepare you and I want to make some commitments to you. I want to prepare you first off because if you've been coming to our church for a while or if you're a first-time guest, you might be used to a certain style of preaching. And, uh, and I love to preach. But the the sensitivity of the nature of the issue that we're going to be talking about today is going to require me to do a little more teaching than preaching. And so this Sunday, and especially next Sunday, what you see on stage might not be what we do on a normal Sunday, but I want to encourage you and comfort you and alleviate you that although the method of the communication might look different, not normal, the message that we communicate, that stays the same. We're still talking about Jesus. We only always talk about this person named Jesus. We believe he's in all things, and we're not going to exclude him from the conversation because we're talking about something that is dark or something. I believe that Jesus exists even in the dark things. Somebody say amen. Even in the painful things like mental illness, which is what this sermon series is going to be about. And speaking on the topic of mental illness, here are my two commitments to you. Commitment number one, I am not going to preach to you or teach to you like a therapist, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist because I am none of the above. I am a pastor. I did not go to whatever school they call that. <laughs> I went to Bible school, and as you can tell, it wasn't even really a good one. And so I'm just kidding. <laughs> Southeastern, I love you. I just <laughs> invite me back. Anyway, um, so... No, I, I commit to, to speak to you as a pastor. The truth is that the Bible talks a lot about this topic, and I'm excited to introduce to you this topic from God's perspective. And the second thing that uh, I want to commit to you is that I am not going to give you a one-size-fits-all solution. I promise you that. I'm not going to tell you that it is all in your head, and if you have a good perspective, then you'll be all right. I'm not going to tell you that you're not really sick. You're just hungry. Eat a Snickers. You'll be fine. You'll get over it. And I know that we're in church and the environment dictates it, but I'm not going to tell you that you're fine. All you need to do is pray more. <laughs> or fast more. I think if you've ever wrestled with this issue, you'd be the first person to say, yeah, bro, I did that. Tried that. I went to the vigil. They laid hands on me. They casted out the devils. Still struggling. What can I do? And I want to let you know if that's you today, there's hope. There's hope, and we want to give you that hope. And the reason why we can't boil it down to one, to one solution is because when it comes to mental illness, there's not just one cause. There's multiple causes for mental illness. And I want to introduce some of them to you today. Uh, we'll talk about all of them in the sermon series, but the first cause of mental illness that we need to understand more about is biology. When I mention biology, I'm speaking about our genes, our family histor history, chemical imbalances. Another cause for mental illness can be life experience, the trauma, abuse, Life-altering events such as a, a cancer diagnosis or the death of a loved one. Your lifestyle could be a cause of mental illness. Maybe you have few friends. Maybe you practice recreational drug use. Maybe you're not getting enough sleep or eating right. 
Uh, and lastly, and, and some psychologists, psychiatrists won't mention this one, but we believe it, that a big cause for mental illness can also be spiritual warfare. Now, I want to put this last because I don't think it's just this, but I would be cheating you if I didn't tell you that we didn't believe here at this church that there is a spiritual world, that there is a devil, and that there are demons, and they are out for your soul, and they are out for your mind. We believe that a human being is composed of three parts, body, mind, which the Bible will call soul, and spirit. And so we're going to talk about it. And uh, here's the order in which we're going to talk about these things. Next week and week two, we're going to preach a sermon called Demon or Disorder. And uh, this is when we're going to address the biological nature of mental illness. This is what I am not qualified to speak on, the biological nature. And so we've invited some mental health professionals to the stage. And next week's sermon is going to be a teaching slash roundtable discussion. Does that sound interesting to anybody? I think it is. I, I don't think every message needs to be, yeah, I think we just need to learn. We need to be better. And my, my hope is that next week we're better because of it. On week three, we have a, a sermon called Habits of a Healthy Mind. And we're going to shift the conversation. In week one and week two, we're talking about mental illness. But in week three, we're going to talk about mental health. Because I think it's one thing to talk about how you can find a cure if you're mentally ill. But I think there's a whole other conversation we can have about not curing mental illness, but maintaining mental health. Come on, somebody. There are some things that you can do to help not lose your mind. And I want to help you uh, find those things and put those things in context and things that I've been practicing in my own life and my own struggles. And, and finally, addressing the fact that there is a spiritual world, we are going to close off this topic with the one that most churches would open with. We're going to save it in the end. And the title of that sermon is, It's More Spiritual Than You Think. And here's what we're going to talk about. We're not saying it's just spiritual. It's not what we're saying. What we are saying is it's probably a little more spiritual than you think it is. And we're going to talk about mental illness from that perspective. Anybody excited for the next four weeks? Come on. Amen. Well, I want to introduce this week's topic uh, with the story. Uh, my wife and I have a lot to celebrate this week. Um, we got her car back from the mechanics. How many people know that's a miracle? You never know. You just never know. You know, and it wasn't even that expensive, you know, which you never know. Um, we were driving it one day months ago, and this light went on, and it was the uh, transmission over temperature light. And, uh, you know, like most people, uh, we ignore the lights on our dashboard. Amen. Yes. How many people know that the lights on your dashboard, they're not a commandment, they're a suggestion. You know what I'm saying? They're like, hey, something's up. You might want to address it when you have time and or money. But until that point, just keep on driving, homeboy. Just keep on driving. At least that's how I interpret the lights on my dashboard. And I wish that I could have done that with this situation, but I couldn't. Because apparently there is a fail-safe in this car when the transmission overheats as a failsafe from keeping you blowing out your transmission, it actually shuts off your engine. And so I could have ignored, I would have ignored it if I could, but there will be days when we will be backing out of the driveway and just with no notice or warning, the car just dies, just breaks down. The car just breaks down on the way out of our home. There'll be days when we're at a red light Cars pack all over us, and at the red light, poof, the car just breaks down. We shut that thing off. We just thought, well, we make a miracle worker. Just, come on, a guy in the darkness. Just, let's go. We need you, Jesus, right here, right now. 
you know, we're at the mall or just going out our business and it just breaks down. And it was really frustrating when we first tried to diagnose the problem because we took it to the, to the dealership, the people who were supposed to know about the car more than anybody. And we're like, hey, this thing says transmission over temperature light and the whole thing shuts down. Uh, can you help us? And they say, yeah, no problem. We can fix it. And they do it and they try and fix it. And they call us later on in the day and they go, hey, sorry, we can't fix your car. I go, but then where do I take it to? The hospital? I don't understand. You're the... If, if you can't do it, who, who can do this? You made this car. Like, God says, you're the creator. You need to fix the creation. And so, and he's like, no, listen, we, we could fix it if we could tell what's wrong, but we can't fix it. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but the mechanic said, the reason why we can't fix it is because we can't duplicate your issue. I said, well, what does that mean? He says, the problem that you're saying, we're not having that problem when we drive it. It's not shutting off and the light's not turning on. To which we responded, well, I'm not crazy. <laughs> I'm not crazy. Dropping off my car on the weekends to the dealership is not a hobby. Uh, this is not fun for me. I did not make this up. Fix my car. <laughs> so I said, the, the light says transmission over temperature. And he's like, sure, we checked your transmission. It's fine. We ran it. It's not over temperature. Give me the, give me the car back. <laughs> Took it to another mechanic. We explained the situation. Hey, this thing says over temperature. The dealership told us there's nothing wrong. Can you see it? Long story short, we found out what the problem was. The car was fine mechanically. It was fine structurally. It was the sensor that was broken. There was a digital thing that was off in the, the Jeep, and it was sending the signal to the car that it was over temperature when it really wasn't. The problem wasn't mechanical. The problem wasn't structural. The problem wasn't even external. The problem was internal. And I want to share that story with you because I think it is an accurate representation of what it's like living with mental illness. On the outside, everything looks fine. You look good. You're going to work. You're getting stuff done. You're coming to church. You're worshiping. Everything's fine. You kiss your wife at home. Everything's fine. But when you're driving out, when you're backing out of your driveway with no notice and with no warning, you break down. You're at a red light for no reason whatsoever. A song plays and all of a sudden, boom, you break down. You're at work in the bathroom washing your hands and all of a sudden you break down and you go for help but nobody can help you because mental illness doesn't show up in a blood test. And so you try to explain to somebody that something's wrong with you but nobody knows how to diagnose it and you think you're crazy because nobody gets what you're going through. And you're breaking down and things are hurting and things are, are, are hurting on the inside and no one knows and no one gets it. And if that's you today, I want you to know that this series is for you, that this Bible is for you, there is hope for you. I also want to speak to another portion of the population that's here today that maybe you've already been diagnosed with mental illness. And your, your wrestling match isn't, isn't that you don't know what you're struggling with, but that you can't get over it. Because here's what happened three days after we brought it back from the mechanics. Here's what happened on Friday. Transmission over temperature light went back on. We are bringing that puppy back tomorrow to the mechanic. And I wonder if there's anybody here today who's been to the altar, has been prayed for, has been taking the medication, has gone to see the therapist, and it worked for a little while, but three days later, the light turned back on. Three months later, the light turned back on. One year later, the light turned back on. And you're wondering, am I ever going to get over this? I want you to know there is hope for you today. We want to help you today. And when I say you, I mean you. Yes, you. Not your neighbor, you. According to the World Health Organization, one out of every four people in the world will be affected by mental illness in their lifetime. And you probably think, the world, I get that, the world's messed up. But not us here in America. Surely that number is different in America. We got Amazon Prime. <laughs> we got Hulu and Netflix and laws. <laughs> the good stuff. Well, you're right. The number is different in America. In America, it's not one out of every four. It's one out of every two. 
which means that either you or someone you love is going to be affected by mental illness at some point in their or your lives. And if that's you today, we want to help you. And if that's not you and that ends up being your friend or family, we want to help you help that person. We believe, and listen, and the stakes are high. Here are some statistics. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for teens and college-aged people. Second leading cause of death. I tried to Google it to see if in our county there had been any students that took their life recently, that ended their life or died by suicide. And as I looked it up, I saw the story of a student who a month ago uh, here in Orange County ended their life by suicide. And I didn't know if I got all the facts or the details right while I was preparing my sermon, so I Googled it again. It said student in Orange County, in Orange County ended their life. And another story popped up, and I thought, I'm so glad that I Googled it because I would have gotten the facts wrong. I would have shared the story wrong. I'm so glad that I got the facts right. It wasn't the same story with the wrong facts. It was another story. As I was researching the topic, the news was reporting another suicide that was happening as I was researching for this topic. To put it in another way, more teenagers and young adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease combined. And it's not just a youth and young adults issue. 40 million adults are diagnosed with anxiety every year. Depression medication is up 300% and increasing every year. And although depression, anxiety, and suicide are the most common forms that make it into our everyday conversation of mental illness, we're not just talking about that. We're also talking about panic attacks, eating disorders, bipolar disorder, PTSD. Some people don't even know another mental illness is uh, substance abuse and addiction. It might not be that you got a demon in you. You might be sick. You might need help. That as well, we need to address this. And to be honest, I, I think the first step in addressing it is admitting it. We are not okay. And that's what we're here to talk about today. And we need to start talking about it soon because in a lot of ways, the culture has beat the church to the conversation. And I wouldn't mind that if everything they were saying was okay, but everything they're saying, it's not all helping. And you know that it's in the culture today when it's in Hollywood. It was just nominated for best picture, Joker, right? A movie on mental illness. You go to Netflix, one of the most popular shows, 13 Reasons Why. A story of a young girl who ends her life by suicide and gives 13 reasons why she decided to make that choice. I'm not knocking it. I'm glad that they're bringing it to the conversation. Here's my problem. If all of that was helping, we should at least see the suicide rate slow down. It's not slowing and it's not getting better. It's actually getting worse. It's a, it's a phenomenon that psychologists and scientists call suicide contagion. The year that Robin Williams took his life, you know Robin Williams, the actor, and the four months that followed, the suicide rate went up by 10%. The manner of death by which he ended his life, that went up 30%. When Marilyn Monroe died, the suicide rates went up 12%. And I want to tell you why. Because everything that you see on those stories and shows and movies, it's true and it's scary. But it's not the whole truth. I, I appreciate them bringing the darkness and talking about the darkness. But last I checked, there are 24 hours in a day. And for 12 of those hours, it is dark. But for the other 12 of those hours, it is daytime. There is light. And we just need to finish the story, church. We need to tell people that it is dark and it does suck. And there is pain and there is illness. But there's also hope and there's also healing and there's also freedom and there's also a future. We just need to tell the whole story. That's why I love the Bible, because the Bible tells the whole story, man. It does. It doesn't shy away from the evil stuff and the bad stuff. I'm telling you, if I was God, there are some stuff that I would leave out of the Bible. 
Me and the staff, we've been studying the book of Exodus. People getting stoned and killed and murdered. I'm like, Jesus, you're making it real hard to preach right now. But I, I'm glad that he's talking about it. Here's what I love about the Bible. The Bible doesn't erase pain and it doesn't embrace pain. It explains pain. It puts pain in the right context. A lot like this verse right here. Psalms 51 verse 8. Look at this. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. <laughs> oh my God, you want to talk about mental illness. This verse is bipolar right here. <laughs> How could you be joy and gladness in one side of the semicolon? And then on the other side of the semicolon, you got crushed bones rejoicing. I wanted to highlight the words crushed and rejoice because I wanted to tell you today, both can be true at the same time. You can be sick and you can sing at the same time. You can be broken and you can still send a blessing up at the same time. I didn't come here with the message of, hey, whatever you're going through, God's going to fix it. What I did say was, hey, whatever you're going through, it doesn't have to define your life. It doesn't have to be the end of your purpose. You can have both at the same time. You can wrestle with mental illness and you can still live a full life. You can wrestle with the, you can wrestle with the sickness and you can still give God glory. You can, you can struggle with depression. I know this sounds crazy and you can still be happy. You can still be happy. Both can be true at the same time. That's why the title of my message is this two parts. The first part of the title, and I want everybody to say it on three, one, two, three. I want you to say these words. I'm not okay. That's the first half of the message, but we can't leave it there because this is the message of the world. That's all they say. We're not okay. 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 We got it. We're not okay. Can't live there though. And so here's the end of the message. Say, I'm not okay. Tell your neighbor, this is the title, but. <laughs> That's it. That's the title. I'm not okay. But, oh, and that but is a big one. That but will save your life. Thank God for the but. Get your mouth out the gutter. Hey, here's my first point. I'm not okay. That's okay. I'm not okay, but that's okay. My son, he wrestles with allergies real bad, justice, real bad. And uh, I thank God for my wife. She takes such good care of him. I tell him all the time, you're so lucky I'm not a single parent. My solution for your allergies would be Kleenex. That would be my solution. Here's some napkins, you know, don't sneeze on the sheets. That would be my suggestion. But my wife, she takes it to a whole other level, man. She does everything to, like, fix him and cure him. First, she got these uh, essential oils. She's a believer uh, in essential oils. I call it believer because it's pretty much a religion. Uh, essential oils, and so she is a, a follower of uh, what's the name of the company? Yeah, she follows with them, <laughs> but that's not all she does. She sets up her uh, humidifier, not humidifier. What is it? Diffuser. I don't know any of these words. And so she takes the oil, she puts it in the diffuser, and it sends the, the scent all over. She puts the oil on his chest, on his feet, and then on top of that, she sets up a little air purifier on the little side. You walk in there, it looks like a hospital room. <laughs> There's so much going on. I'm like, man, this kid, he's so blessed. He has no idea. Well, one week she was gone. I had to set all that up. I don't even know the names of this stuff. So Justice is walking me through. He sees that I have a hard time doing it. And he says, Daddy. I said, yeah. He goes, I'm sorry. I said, for what? He said, I'm sorry that I have allergies. And you got to do all this. You know, to which my response was like, no, don't worry about it. Whatever. But really, I was like, you should be sorry. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was, like, I was like, no, it's cool. And here's what I wanted to tell him that I, I want to tell you today. Don't apologize. It's not a sin to be sick. It's not a sin to be sick. 
And I need to share this with you because we need to destigmatize mental illness. Because if we don't destigmatize it, we'll leave it on the inside of us. And the longer it stays on the inside of us, the worse it gets. Do you know how hurricanes get stronger on warm waters? Well, shame and guilt are the warm waters of your soul. And the longer you keep it inside, the worse that storm gets until one day your struggle strengthens into a hurricane of hopelessness. You know when someone ends their life by suicide and then you get all their friends on the news? What do all their friends say? She was the last person I would have ever thought would have ended her life that way. Well, maybe that's why she did it, because she was the last person. Because nobody knew. Because she was really good at looking good and really good at, at, be, at, at putting on the, the show in the front, but nobody knew what was really going on on the inside of her. We got to make it okay to not be okay. I took a picture of my wife the other day when she was coming out of the, her workout. She has a, a workout on TV. She was looking so good. I was like, Psh, I had to snap a photo of this right here. And then, I, and, then, and then you know, if anybody's married, you know there's a rule. What's the rule? You never post without permission. That's the rule. So I took the photo of her, and she was looking so beautiful. And I, and I went to post it, but I said, babe, is this okay to post? She said, this is not okay. <laughs> supposed and I kept pressing it and I kept pressing it and pressing it I'm like come on I want people to see you as you really are this how I love you you look beautiful she's like nope not gonna do it and finally I pressed the issue so much that she finally said okay you could post it but put a filter on it <laughs> if you're gonna post it post it but put a filter on it put that clendon on it <laughs> put that put that black and white put that grayscale on it i don't want them to see all the and i get it right because it, as much as we hate to admit it it does matter a little bit how people see us and besides in that whole social media world oh my god the pressure have you seen the stuff that other people are posting i'm like do you travel with like a crew of photographers how did they get that angle how did you get the how did you move the sun how did it your makeup is on point, your hair is on point, and the caption is fire. <laughs> How did you do all that, right? Because you can't just look good, you got to say the right things too. And I just wonder, I just wonder if the pressure to post the perfect thing, if the pressure to post the perfect picture has kind of leaked into life, and now it's not just the pressure to post the perfect picture, but the pressure to present the perfect life. The pressure to, per to, to present the, the perfect life, I'm good. Because it's not a problem if you're just putting photos, filters on your photos. But what happens when we don't stop there? What happens when we also put filters on our feelings? And so we how you doing? Great. Doing good. You look tired. Oh, you know, I just had a long night last night. It's 10 a.m. You, you sure? Yeah, man, you know, God is good. Glory to glory. It is so. It's a problem. It's a filter. And I want to tell you what, that pressure to be perfect, sometimes it's the greatest at church. Can we talk about it? Can we be honest? I think sometimes the pressure to be perfect and to have everything figured out and look right, I think it's the greatest at church. Why? Because we're people of faith. Our faith is supposed to fix all this. The songs that we sing, they're songs of victory. I want to see a victory. I'm going to see. But what happens when you're singing about victory, but you walk through those doors and you don't feel victorious? What happens when you walk through those doors and you see everybody's hands raised? What happens when you walk through those doors and you see everybody jumping and saying amen? What happens when you walk through those doors and you see everybody taking notes? What happens when you get out of your car and you see someone with a smile and it looks like everyone's got it all together? That is pressure. That is pressure. And unfortunately, we take the wrong message from it. We go, wow, they got it all together and I don't. God must love them and not me. 
My faith must be broken. I must be doing something wrong. And I just want to tell you today, don't be fooled by the smiles that you see walking into this room today. If you are a first-time guest or if you've been coming for a while, don't you be fooled by that person who smiled at you when you got out of your car in the parking lot. Listen, I know that person. I know him. He is not okay. I know him. The, the, the guy, the lady, they handed you the worship guide when you walked. I know her. And let me just tell you, without getting all of her stuff, she is not okay. So then why are you smiling? Why are we smiling? Are we smiling because we're okay? No, we're not smiling because we're okay. Are you smiling because it's fake and it's a filter? No. The reason why we're smiling is the same reason why Johnny was smiling in the fifth grade when he walked into the lunchroom with a cast on. You remember Johnny? You wore your best outfit to school, ready to get all the attention, and you walked up in there, and Johnny walked up in there too with his crutch, his cast, and three markers. You want to sign my cast? What happened? And he talks about his trip and the skiing accident and broke a bone. And he's smiling, but he's not smiling because he has a broken bone. He's smiling because he survived. You got to understand that the people who are smiling when they're walking in here, they're not smiling because they're okay. They're not smiling because everything's good. They're smiling even though they're broken because even though they're broken, their brokenness did not beat them. The accident did not kill them. Last night, the depression got real. It almost took their life, but they woke up in the morning and decided that they would give it one more day and they walked through those doors. I'm not smiling because I'm okay. I'm not okay. I'm smiling because I made it. I made it one more day. I got, I, 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 I'm surviving. I'm telling you, sometimes the miracle doesn't look like a miracle. Sometimes the miracle just looks like Monday. Sometimes it looks like you just made it, man. And that's something to be celebrated. I'm not okay, but that's okay. Here's my other one. Listen, I'm not okay, but I'm not alone. God, you need to know you're not alone. It's one of the greatest lies when it comes to mental illness, if you're the only person, and you know you're not alone in the Bible, that there were Bible characters all over who were depressed and struggled with ending their life. How about Paul, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? Look at 2 Corinthians 1.8. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. We wanted it to end. We hated life. How about Elijah, the great prophet, 1 Kings 19.4. I have had enough, Lord. Look what he prayed. Let me die. Talk about suicidal. How about Jonah? Jonah chapter 4, verse 8. And Jonah begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. How about the book of Lamentations? Have you ever read the book of Lamentations? It's chapter after chapter of depression. Sadness. There's one chapter in there that's happy. You won't find it. Because it's sadness all over. And lastly, how about the person who died on their cross for our sins, who we love and want to model our life by? Jesus, you know, Jesus was tempted with suicide. The Bible says that the devil brought him to the top of the temple and said, jump. I think that's why the Bible also says that Jesus was tempted like man in every way. If you've been tempted with suicide, I want you to know that Jesus understands that temptation too. He got it. He relates to you. He gets it and he's there to help you. He knows it. He knows it. Not only that, while he was dying, his best friend was committing suicide hanging on a tree. He knows this struggle. And it's not just the people in the Bible. How about the people in your row? I want to share three testimonies with you very briefly. And I want you to take a look right now. Look at the left and look at the right. Just look real quick. Look at the people in your row. Look at your left. Look at your right. Okay. Here's why I want you to do that. Because there's a good chance that the story I'm telling you today 
is the person sitting next to you. So just keep that in mind when I tell you about a story about a woman in this service who had the place in the woods picked out to kill herself with a bullet to the brain and leave her baby raised by herself. There's a woman in your role right now in her 30s who at 30 had an eating disorder that left her at 70 pounds. In your 30s, 70 pounds. Her daughter went up to her and said, Mama, you look so thin. You look beautiful. How can I be like you? She knew at that moment she needed help. There's an army veteran in your role right now who goes to this church who tried to end his life, not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but five times unsuccessfully tried to end his life. There are people around you right now wrestling with what you're wrestling with. How about your pastor? Yeah, you don't know this. I don't tell a lot of people this. I didn't even say this at the 915, but I wrestle with anxiety. The more I'm ill, the more I'm one of those two. The more the church grows, the more pressure it gets on me to preach great messages. And I know you don't come for the messages, but to preach these messages and they hit it out the park. And the last couple of months, I just begin these crazy anxiety. Here's, here's how you'll know too. I just begin these crazy anxiety attacks. Sometimes I'll be preaching and everything will just go blank. And I'll just kind of like, you don't know, but like inside my brain, it's like, ah, it's not good. Here's how you'll know. Have you ever been at a service where I have asked the piano player to come up like early in the sermon, but like not at the end? Have you ever been in one of those services? I've done that in the history during church probably like six or seven times. That is not because I want the environment more spiritual. <laughs> that is because I'm freaking out in my mind as I'm taking on pressure that doesn't belong to me, that belongs to God. I'm telling you this because this is a part of my healing and sharing it with you. And I'm telling you this so that you know that you can share your thing too. It's not, and when you do, I'm telling you this so when the piano player comes up and it's not the end of the sermon that you would stretch your hands out towards me and pray for me. I just want you to know I'm human like you and, and, and we're here for you. You need, if you're wrestling with thoughts of suicide or depression or anxiety, get the help you need. And we're here. We want to help you. We got some resources for you. Look, this is the first one. Journeyoil.com forward slash counseling. We vetted Christian counselors here in the city of Orlando. And they're all on this website. Some are here that, that are members here. Others don't go here so that you don't have to worry bumping into them uh, in the lobby if you want to talk to somebody. There's a cost to that, but there's also other resources that are free. The National Suicide Helpline, 1-800-273-8255. You can call that number if you or someone you know is wrestling or talking about ending their life. There's, there's, you can call that number and there'll be professionals on the other side of that that telephone call that will help you and walk with you. And there's some people here who would say, well, I don't like phone calls and I, and I don't like therapy sessions. I just need something where I can see people and, and talk to people. Well, cool. Let me give you one more free resource. It's called journeyoral.com forward slash groups. This is why we have small groups, yo. It is free therapy. You just show up, you listen, you share your stuff. Don't dominate the conversation. Five minutes for everybody, okay? And then you come back next week and you share again. I want you to know that your church is here for you. Listen, everybody knew that we were preaching on mental illness today and nobody stood home. Nobody called their friend and said, you should go to that. We all showed up and we all knew what we were talking about so that you would know that we're here for you. You don't got to do this alone. We want to walk with you. We want to help you. 
If you're a, someone who's wrestling with mental illness today, I want you to know you are our friend. We know you, we feel you, we love you, we are here for you, and above that, we are you. We are you, we are you, we are you. You're not alone. And you know who else hasn't left you? Psalms chapter 23, verse four. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Here's my final point. I'm not okay, but Jesus is. I'm not okay, I'm not fine. It's not good for me right now. But you know who it is good for? It's good for Jesus. He's okay, he's fine. He's still seated on the throne. He's still good, he's still powerful. He's still resurrected, he's still exalted. He's still got death by that grip. He's still good, he's still God. I'm not okay, but, but Jesus is, but Jesus is. And listen, this isn't a feel good slogan. I'm not telling you that if you just say this one sentence, you'll be all right. When depression comes, I'm not okay, but Jesus is, and everything's better. No, we're saying something much deeper than that. We're saying that my depression, my sickness, my illness, it's real. But Jesus is real too. That's why we're, we're just finishing the sentence. We're just finishing the story. The darkness is real, but the light is real too. Listen to the claim of Christianity. Christians claim that Jesus saved the world. But we don't claim that he did it by getting the most votes in an election or by founding a religion, or by winning a battle somewhere. We claim that he saved the world by dying on a cross. Do you see it? It's losing and winning at the same time. It's barbaric and beautiful at the same time. It's painful and purposeful at the same time. It's hardship and worship at the same time. And I want you to know that you can be both. Both can happen at the same time time worship you know that was Jesus's last words when he was on the cross right he's dying and his last words were father into your hands I commit my spirit he was worshiping while going through pain wow the devil must have been so pissed oh my goodness the devil must have been so mad because he had seen Jesus he was trying to take away Jesus's power you see he saw him do miracles with his hands he laid his hands on the sick and they got well. So he said, I'm going to keep him from saving people. I'm going to nail his hands. And then the Bible says that they would take the sick and they would lay him at his feet. And so, and so the devil said, well, you know what? If his feet is where he gets power from, then I'm going to nail his feet. And he nailed his hands and he nailed his feet. And the devil must have been so mad when Jesus began to lift up his voice. Because he was like, ah, I took away his power to work. I took away his power to walk. But the one power I could not take away was his power to worship. To anybody who is wrestling with mental illness right now and you feel helpless, you feel like you have no power, you can't control it, it takes over you. I want you to know right now, the devil might be able to take away your power to work and he might be able to take away your power to walk, but he can never ever take away your power to worship. And worship is the game changer. Worship is what breaks through the darkness. I can't do much, but I can worship. Let me get it real quick. I can't do much, but I can worship. I want to illustrate. Does that make a difference, Jay? Does that make a difference, just worshiping God? Does that really make a difference? Oh, you bet it does. How does it make a difference? Well, let me give you an example. You know, sometimes living with mental illness, you feel helpless. And you feel, well, you feel kind of like this. You feel like everything's dark. 
feel like you can't see, the lights begin to go off. Can't see where you're going. Can't see what you're doing. For our people who are watching this online, the feed has not broken. It's an illustration. And when you're in the dark, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. Where am I going to go, God? Can I, can I help you out? Worship. It does something. When you're, when you're wrestling with anxiety and, and, and you can't even have a normal conversation with somebody because when you have a normal conversation, your heart beats 100 miles an hour. It's like you were speaking to the United Nations. It's just a conversation over lunch, but your heart beats because you can't control it. When you feel that, here's what you need to do. You need to find some time to get in your car. You need to put on some music and you need to worship. We make a miracle work, a promise keep Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You pause right there. Did you see what happened? It was dark all around her. But as she began to worship, as she began to fix her eyes on Jesus, the heaven, heaven's hope broke through into her circumstance. There was a light that shined on her situation. There was a light that shined on her pain. Now listen, the darkness is still there. The darkness is still around, but in her life right here at this moment, it's not about what those things are, it's about who he is. When you struggle with the eating disorder, because at a young age, somebody told you you weren't beautiful, somebody broke your heart, and now you're skipping meals, nobody, nobody knows, you're going to the bathroom, you're, you're emptying your bowels, also that someone can call you beautiful. When it gets dark like that, go ahead and worship. I'm telling you, whatever the scenario, it works. Worship breaks through the darkness and it's enough to go through one more day. If you're an army veteran or you served in our armed forces and you saw something terrible on the battlefield and now you can't even come home the right way and things are, things are crazy and you're suffering from PTSD and, and it's all stressful, here's what you need to do. You need to find some space and you need to worship. We make miracle worker, promise keeper, Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Come on, when things get dark and you think about ending your life because there's no hope, depression and suicide are sneaking in. I'm not telling you that the darkness will go away, but I'm telling you that if you worship, there's light in the darkness. Make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. And I want to tell you today that this is not a promise of God's going to make everything right. If you see, it's still dark, but something happens when we worship. Your life, it breaks through the darkness. And listen, the light, the light of Jesus, when you begin to lift him up, it goes from being a light to your light. And now things happen. Check it out. And now things happen. And so now when they sing Waymaker, go ahead, sing it. Now look, they can walk. All of a sudden, they're worshiping. The worship that was like in their situation, it empowers them. And now they can go places they couldn't go before. Now their worship makes a way for them. I know it's dark around me, but I'm going to just make you the focus, Jesus. I'm just going to love you, Jesus. I'm just going to follow you, Jesus. It's dark. My heart hurts. I'm in pain, but I'm going to keep you at the focus of my life. I'm going to keep walking. I'm going to keep walking day after day, day after day, day after day, day after day. 
their seats. Did you see what their worship did? Look what their worship brought them. Their worship brought them to the altar. In other words, while their worship was making a way, it didn't just make a way for them. Now their worship is making a way for you. Here's what the Bible says. Psalms 118. We're going to close out right here. Psalms 118. Because so many people, so many people tell me, listen, you just don't understand the pain. You just don't understand the hurt. You just don't understand what I'm going through. The pain is too hard. It hurts too much. Maybe the prayer needs to be, God, take away the pain. But, But Mary doesn't do that. And maybe we shift the prayer and we say this, God, instead of taking the pain, how about you use this pain? Because you understand pain more than anyone else. Look at Psalms 118. I will not die. Instead, I will live to tell what the Lord has done. Hear me. In a room this big, with people in the balcony and watching online, there's no doubt in my mind that someone this week thought about ending it all. And I want to let you know, you need to live, but not just for your kids. Looking for a reason to live, not just for your spouse. You know why you need to live? To worship, to tell the world that what broke you didn't bury you. That what hurt you, it didn't kill you. And I know that I'm going through it, but I'm gonna just keep worshiping. I'm gonna keep testifying. I'm gonna let my light shine and I'm gonna help others get through. How? I can't feel it. That's worship, even though you can't feel it. Even though you can't see it. I'm gonna keep pressing in. Let me pray for you right now. Close your eyes. If you're comfortable. Father God, I want to speak to a a group of people who are here today who've been wrestling with sickness, wrestling with illness. They've been hiding. Today the light is on. And we're letting them know there's another half. Both can be true. I can feel like I'm lost. I can feel like I'm broken. And I can still worship. I can feel like I'm alone. I can feel like I'm empty. I can feel depressed. And I can still praise. I can still find
So I want to give you the opportunity. If you've never started a relationship with God, if you've never started this relationship, today is your day. Or maybe it's just been a really long time. Or maybe you just thought he wouldn't accept you in this place with what you're struggling with. I'm here to tell you that he's going to. He wants you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants all of you, all of the bad, all of the good, every last piece. So with every head bowed, every eye closed in this place, what I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I just want you to put your hand up when I say three. There's nothing magical about putting your hand up. It's just a sign of faith. It's just saying right here in this moment that, God, I accept you into my heart, and I'm willing to give this a try to start my life with you or to come back to you. So on the count of three, if that's you, raise your hand up. One, two, three. If that's you, raise up that hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Amen. If you raised your hand up, everybody else, worship team, pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I'm not okay, but you are. God, I need you to come into my heart today because I need your strength, not my own. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.